listening to WPPN, Bespin's All Talk Radio. The time is five past the hour. Our top news story, Baron Administrator Lando Calrissian, says the Ugnaught Union labor strike is no closer to being resolved. The Ugnaughts continue to fight for higher wages and lower urinals. Mr. Calrissian commented, quote, this deal keeps getting worse all the time. Turning to weather, today will be mostly cloudy and the forecast for the week is mostly cloudy. You're listening to WPPN. The time is six past the hour. We now return you to Bespin's favorite talk show, The Nerd Herders. Hello and welcome to the Nerd Herders. We are trying very hard this year to keep on that once a month schedule, so much so that we are recording just a couple weeks after the last episode. So, so far so good, but you know, to win. My name is Ian. I am here with my friends as always, Andy. Good evening, Ian. Nice to be here tonight. Oh, thank you. Justin. Hi, guys. Hi. Dave. Hello. Ooh, sultry. And Matt. Eh. Awesome. So last month, January 2024, was the 50th anniversary of the release of the original Dungeons and Dragons. So we thought it would be a good idea to kind of take a look at our own experiences with D&D and role-playing games in general, kind of go over some of our favorites, some memories we have, uh, things like that, and also have a little bit of discussion. Before we get into any of that, does anybody else have anything uh, they wanted to talk about? Any topics or cool things or anything? No, I'm I'm good. Looking forward to tonight's discussion. The RPGs are definitely something that kind of takes up a big piece of my hobby time. Yeah, for sure. And there's and and we can discuss it, but there's so much that sprang from Dungeons and Dragons and and things that have become kind of like just things that we understand easily. NPCs and experience points and hit points and all those things kind of sprang from D and they're now in video games and all that type of stuff. So there's definitely a lot that came just from the birth of Dungeons and Dragons aside from role-playing games themselves. So I thought I would start with kind of our origin stories and where we, where we first started with role-playing games, whether it was Dungeons and Dragons or something else. Uh, so just kind of go down the line and see where everybody started. And we'll start with Justin. So my first is I, excuse me, recollect was a board game that came out in 1993 that I think my parents grabbed at a school auction or no, not school auction, like a yard sale type thing, like in the parking lot. And that was called Dragon Strike. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it was a big box, which had a picture of a knight, two knights clashing on the front. And it was the one that came with the VHS tape yeah, of like a scorpion dude and stuff like that. Ours didn't have the tape, unfortunately, but I remember Matt and Jonathan and I playing the hell out of that. And that was, I mean, I, I was pretty young as I recall, like eight years old when it came out. So probably nine or so. And uh, didn't know what I was doing. Just like the scorpion guy running around. There was a monster that was a scorpion. It was pretty cool. I, it was, I, I'll go ahead, Ian. I was just going to say it was, it was kind of sort of D and D because I, I can't remember who made it. If it was, it was even TSR. TSR. It was, it TSR, was TSR. And it is. Okay, yeah. Yes. I, I went to the wiki cause I had to refresh my memory and it was like, kind of like a jumping off point for anyone that might be in it to then get used to kind of the dungeon dungeons and dragons a little bit. Yeah. And if you want to go see the, what was on that VHS, it is on YouTube. Uh, just search for dragon strike. I think they called it hyper reality or something like that. Yeah. It was 100% watch that tape. <laughs> yeah, Terrible CGI of like half man, half scorpion and all kinds of, dra- all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. This, this, is, time. this is right towards the end of TSR kind of owning 
Dungeons and Dragons too. Yeah, and I would say Scorpion may have looked bad, but it looked better than The Rock did in uh, <laughs> when he was a Scorpion King. <laughs> wow, taking shots at The Rock. I, I do like, you know, how like your introduction to uh, this is <laughs> almost like a like a, a, you bought it from some shady character in a parking lot. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. some that's, old rundown. Uh, like yeah. the the box was previously destroyed, and I don't even. I think we lost most of the pieces and everything. But this is how I got hooked. Yeah, <laughs> I bought it from some guy. And this is lot. this is an early iteration. I was just looking at it where the thief character is a woman who's like half dressed. Oh yeah, so that makes her more stealthy. I put in our in our Discord a link to the YouTube video if anyone wants to check it out later. I'm flipping through, and no boy is it bad. Oh you no, know, I um. I remember this for some reason. I think a couple of years ago, I think I, oh, you know what it was? It was, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. I was going through one of the, like Trove or something, one of those sites out that was out oh, there yeah. that allowed you to kind of find um, copies of RPGs. And somebody had put literally everything from TSR together and Dragon Strike was in there. So it had like the, like a PDF or the rule book, <laughs> but it had the video and, yeah yeah i will say it came with two boards and both were double-sided or maybe it was one and that was double-sided but those those could be useful for other things or even even D. yeah i remember it being like a i mean it came with you know your heroes five or six heroes a bunch of monsters and a couple of bosses and the figures i mean they were all right for the i guess for the time and there was just a lot there that i remember and it was all, i thought it was all pretty cool yeah Oh, that's a cool intro. All right, Andy, what about you? So I didn't start with kind of D&D until much later. I played a lot of GURPS uh, growing up. So I was either 12 or 13. It was at camp. Um, one of the older kids had, I think at that time, it was technically third edition of GURPS. That's the one I, re- that's a cover I remember the most. And so, yeah, it was it was neat because I, I definitely think we played in a fantasy setting, but that was it was very different because that's that's all D six based. But I'll talk a little bit more about GURPS later. But the other thing I would say too is that's right about the time too that I was playing a ton of the TSR video games too, though. So all of those original kind of Dungeons and Dragons video games we used to play. Uh, it was basically just one of my friends had a computer with it and we would three or four of us would sit around and just play right like almost like taking turns but yeah that's what what we did we played gurps and we played a lot of the tsr kind of those early early video games it was yeah that's kind of how i got into into role-playing games Nice. And now the TSR games you were playing were those on console or PC? Oh, these were PC. These were like Pool of Radiance. And... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Pool of Radiance is is probably the one I remember the most. But and it was it was that it had a very those were all dungeon crawl games, right? Because that's that's kind of what you could you could build, you know, on those early PCs, right? Because that's right around the same time. That's got to be you know late or uh, early 90s you know yeah because it was before it would have been you know before i graduated from high school so yeah that was a lot lot of fun uh but those games kind of got me into other rpgs 
because you always want to do more than what the game would let you do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Nice. All right, Dave, what about you? Uh, for me, it was my brother's. Uh, so my brother had the like AD&D set. Pretty sure it was AD&D. I took his books, even though it could mean getting in trouble. I went to my, my buddy had a barn and, but up above the barn area was like a, a room that we could hang out in. And so we'd set everything up in there and I would run games. I don't remember a lot about them other than I'm like 90% sure we didn't play by any of the real rules or very little, like we didn't exactly know what we were doing. And my, my favorite adventure I ever ran, they like were in a dungeon. I'm sure I've told the story before, but like a portal opened and a, and a soldier came through and like died, but it gave them a machine gun, I think with like 20 shots or 50 shots or whatever. So they, they had this like machine gun that they could use on monsters. I don't know. I just remember that being kind of fun. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, Matt, you are next. So I started playing uh, the first game I played was D&D second edition. It was um, fifth grade ish. <clears throat> one of the one of my classmates had older brothers. So they had, you know, D&D books and in board games. And they had like, you know, like GW star sets and stuff. And they decided they were going to play D&D. So we just, he just came up with a campaign. And it might have been one of his brother's old ones. I don't remember. But yeah, so just playing D&D and also same kind of the same thing as Andy, right? Playing he had his brothers had all those old video games. So he would copy them. And I, you know, then I could bring them home and play them like pool of radiance and, uh, some of the dark sun games too. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah. I was just going down memory lane. I think like secrets of the silver blades and yeah, I had the beholder like, and yeah. Cause they had the gold box ones, which were like supposed to be like the premium. Right. Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember all these. Like they were, and they they were they were a lot of fun. And it's interesting. I think it's because we would try to play like GURPS and stuff, but none of us had ever really had like a good GM, right? Like we'd only ever had one, and then we'd all gone out and bought it and tried to to do it on our own. And well, you guys have seen. I'll talk about it a little more later. Like. Like I just we just made characters most of the time. And then we would do like <laughs> yeah. quick like one hour adventures, but we spent most of the time making characters. Yeah, well, and that's kind of my early experience. I bought the Red Box in 1987. So, depending on when I was either finishing up uh, middle school or just starting high school, and being a comic book guy, I had always seen the ads uh, for D and D, and I don't. I don't think I fully understood what it was, but I knew that it looked really interesting. And at one point, I, I guess I just decided, and I had the money. I, I remember it was $12 for the red box uh, at Mr. Paperback in Waterville, Maine. And Shout out to Mr. Paperback. <laughs> yeah, RIP. Um, so, yeah. so well, I, Mr. I just, Paperback. What? Mr. Paperback died? He became, well, a lot of them became Bull Moose music. Um, I don't know. And now those are gone too. Uh, no, the one, the one in Waterville is still there. Still there. They, yeah, they used to be Mr. Paperback. But so, yeah, so I finally just said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to figure it out. And the cool thing is I still have my red box and in there are like all the original first characters I ever made. And then a, just a whole bunch of charts that I made to play by myself. Cause 
because I had grown up playing a lot of games by myself, like Stratomatic Baseball and and stuff like that. So that was kind of what. How did I know that Stratomatic Baseball would eventually make it into the conversation tonight? Yeah, I mean that's that was my that's really my gaming for stuff beyond you know like uh, Monopoly and stuff. The Stratus <laughs> Stratomatic Baseball and hockey and Status Pro Baseball, where yeah, I played a ton. So anyway, I was like, I was like, I make this D and D thing work by myself. So I have charts and stuff that I still have. But in high school, I think probably sophomore year, uh, I went to like an all weekend thing where you know Buddy's parents were gone and a whole bunch of us stayed the whole weekend and did everything from like, you know, we had like Nintendo blades of steel tournaments and things like that. But we did play D and D although really all I remember is making characters. But, um, so that was, that was my introduction was, uh, was the red box, which I, which I still have and still, um, that basic version of D and D still holds a special place in my heart because of that. So those are the origin stories. And, and I did just actually talk about the first thing that I ever bought. So I was wondering what it was for you guys, what the, what the first thing is that you ever remember buying. And I'll just go back down the, uh, the same chain again, starting with Justin. So, I mean, beyond like, besides dice and stuff like that, like the basic type stuff, the real splurge, I guess, item was, do you guys remember when we went to Gen Con for uh, Brian Hearn's 50th birthday? That was yeah, what yeah. year was that? That was quite a while ago. Quite a while ago at this point. But before, I remember. Yeah, that was. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember the year. I think it was six years ago. No, it's yeah, more than that. No, more than that. You're thinking pandemic oh. time. So it's probably more like nine or 10. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, well, it was, it was John's bachelor party, right? So. That too. Yes. Yeah. But it, the first like splurgy thing that I bought my for myself was one of those. Uh, spellbook dice vaults from Elderwood Academy. So it looks like a book on the outside with the leather cover and you open it up and it's got like a rolling tray inside and stuff like that. I just thought it was like a cool way to like organize everything. And it had like a little, uh, the inside cover quote unquote was like a little, what they call it a reflecting pool. So you could write on there with dry erase. And I use that throughout our whole uh, cloaks campaign. Um, yeah. You're still using it, right? No, I have something else, but like it kind of, you guys know I like like my little boxes and organized things where everything sits just right and that kind of kicked off that that type of thing for me. Oh, I thought the one you were still you were using was still that one. Nope, that's something else, but gotcha. Cool. All right, Andy, what about you? So uh we used to it took us a while to find some place that like sold RPG stuff, uh, especially GURP stuff, because it wasn't like even D D, like you 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 did sometimes have to find like a gaming store to do that. So we used to take the, uh, a bus and then a train from where I grew up in Burlington, Mass, uh, into Cambridge, Mass. And there was a store called The Games Fuel Play and another one called Pandemonium Books and Games. And so it was it was stuff for GURPS. It was probably the GURPS uh, basic set, third edition. But there are so many world books for GURPS that we would just go in like, you know, once a month and kind of kick around in those stores and, and find stuff and, and buy kind of new supplements for, for GURPS. So yeah, it was, it was definitely the GURPS basic set. And then after that, it was just like supplements all the time. Yeah. And just to piggyback off that, it's funny because obviously everybody's collections are different and, and how you, you know, how your gaming history evolves. I have no experience with GURPS at all. And my first GURPS product that I purchased was a few days ago when I saw that there was a, they actually did a Conan uh, setting. Oh, Ian, you should, I have one of the adventures for that, uh, the lair, the white worm. Ooh. Oh, it's so, it's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Next time you're over, I'll show you that one. Okay, cool. So yeah, my Conan book is on the way. 
Oh yeah, that's a good one. I have I repurchased that because I don't know what happened to my original one. Nice. Well, someone sold it to me on eBay. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, so that was Andy. Dave, what about you? Do you remember your first RPG purchase? I don't. I honestly don't remember. I think so. When I was in college, I lived with Joel Carlson and uh, Ken Pittman, and they, you know, we loved playing video games ken always had like the top of the line computer so i'd go in his room a lot and play various different games that he had and there was a little geeky comic game store nearby and i remember joel buying like some 40k models and i think walking around in there one day we he might have run a game of D or something and we were walking around in there and i'm pretty sure the first like game i ever bought myself and like read and got into was riffs and i do remember running that in college for are there like five or six of us um our friend leslie markowski ken's girlfriend whose name is escaping me but anyway yeah and obviously that's kind of stuck with me forever although we'll talk a little bit more about what's good and bad about riffs but um i just love that setting i thought that was super cool Nice. All right, Matt, what about you? Uh, for me, it was the D&D Purple box. Uh, oh, okay. Which I purchased e- at one great of those. Great Errol Otis artwork. Yeah, which I purchased at one of those uh, church yard sales that uh, Justin was talking about. Oh, a church uh, one. So they were like, get this demonic well, game out of here. I mean, we, we so we went to a Catholic grade school and they would have kind of like a, a a yard set or whatever, but it would just, you could br- people could just bring whatever they wanted and, and sit at a table and sell it. But yeah, so I got the purple box there. I almost got the red box, but a lady who at the time was, seemed to me to be in her 80s, so she was probably like 50. She had it and she was like, oh, sorry, sorry, young man, I'm buying that. So, <laughs> but she didn't get the purple box and I get that. <laughs> wow. You almost had to fight an old lady for, for D&D. My Baca. <laughs> she, I mean, to me, she seemed like she was 80. So she was. Yeah. So I mentioned mine, which was the red box, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw something else in there because the, the purchase that really kicked off my role playing was in college where we were in Tennessee. And again, mid nineties. So comic books and comic stores were, were doing really well. There were three in the city that we lived in all pretty much within walking distance, but one of them always had like a box full of used uh, RPG stuff. And I found the Star Wars West End, the West End games, the D6 version, Star Wars original trilogy source book. And it was was probably a couple bucks. Picked it up just because I thought it'd be a great read because really, literally, pretty much, I don't want to say everything, but, but any expansion of the, what you saw in the original trilogy, as far as what this cantina creature's name is, where this rebel pilot is from all of that came from that source book from the role-playing game so i picked it up just because it looked like an awesome read and then later and i i understood it was a game system and i think that same store probably had the the second edition the one with vader on the cover of the basic rules so and again few dollars i was like i'll pick this up and then you know next thing you know i'm, I'm running a campaign for some friends so that was kind of where i started actually playing regularly was with that purchase i had those two and and you're right they are they're filled with the painstaking detail that nerds fight over today (laughs) yeah and and really where the decipher 
collectible card game got all of its information too. Yeah, because they had cards for all those characters, and they have oh, every card in the card game had a little blurb about them. So, yep, yep. So, and still a great read because it it just it's just fun, and a lot of that backstory was used in uh, the like Tales from the Cantina short story collection too. So, all right, that's kind of our origins and first things that we bought. Now, Dungeons and Dragons the seventy four was the what they call original Dungeons and Dragons, and that evolved into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which at the same time had basic D&D going. So you had kind of two, which was always confusing, which is why I bought the Red Box, because it's like, oh, I can't handle Advanced. I need I need this basic. So uh, Basic and AD&D First Edition were out for quite a while. Second Edition came out, and Basic, I think, was still... I think was still in production through most of Second Edition. Uh, third was in the 90s and into the 2000s. Uh, when did we get fourth? Fourth was around 2008, maybe somewhere around there. Sounds right. Yeah. And then obviously we're on fifth and then a new edition is, uh, allegedly on its way in 2024. So nope, I th- that's not, it's not a new edition. They're <laughs> just re they're just re they're just doing new players guide, new GMs guide. It's not people it's are going to call it six though. They're gonna, no, they're not. They're going to, they won't because gonna. to call it, I'm going to. If you call it six, that's fine, but it's not going to be right. labeled. It's not going to be labeled that. Right. Like, there's a big difference when the publisher says it's fifth. I don't think, because, but I don't think the publisher even with this one said fifth. Yeah, they did. I don't think TSR or Wizards have ever said what edition it is. Yeah, they call it fifth edition. Uh, second edition did say second edition. And this is 100% calls itself fifth edition. <laughs> uh, In fact, every edition since first was called that edition, whatever that yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Gif, when fourth came out, like it was definitely called fourth edition because it was a big split from third. Um, yeah, big change. It was a big, big change. No, their their whole thing with fifth is. Can I just that interject it, that PCGamer.com discusses D&D sixth edition being announced? So yeah. some people are saying it. Yeah. Team Dave. Some people will say it, but, but my point is, is that when you when you say sixth edition, it means you're making significant changes to the rule set, right? Their whole thing is they're not. Their big thing is they want to make it uh, easier. I for, uh, that for hasn't GM. been defined. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I'm going to argue with you on this one for a bit, only because I have been reading all of the playtest material that comes out, and what they're what they're doing is they're really just refining. Uh, the Your Honor, is there a question here? Yeah. <laughs> there is there he's is. leading the witness you're leading the witness all right i'll, <laughs> all right. I'll stop back i'll jump back off the soapbox <laughs> all right so out of all the editions that have been I, uh, even i've not played them all i've not played original i didn't play any third uh but still coming out of that we all have played multiple editions so we all have our favorites so i thought we could discuss uh what our favorites are and why we've all played fourth yeah that's probably not anybody's. Oh no, Dave that's has my favorite. Favorite. spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Well, that's uh, all right. That's well, we'll, favorite too, I think. All right. Well, we'll get to Dave. Let's let's go back down the line again. Justin, what's your favorite edition of D and D? So I really liked Advanced. Second, because there was the, yeah, just because there was so much there. That's what and we that's, started you know, the Crimson Cloak campaign. You know, yeah, that's what my Encyclopedia Magica volumes are, and those are pretty cool. Those are awesome. So it might be recency bias, but I think I'm going to go with Five E though. 
just seems like everything is streamlined in a way that really makes sense. I've added to it with D&D 1, not 6th edition, D&D 1, or 1 <laughs> D&D, excuse me. And I don't know, it just seems it's, it's, it's very easy and easy to understand, but you can still have a lot of fun with it and Baldur's Gate 3 rules. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> Andy, what about you? Mine is definitely fifth. Um, I did play third. Uh, that's actually what I, that's the first time I played D&D was third. I've I did play fourth. I think that was Dave. I think you might have even been running that campaign. It was in Rafe's office uh-huh. uh, when he had one in the in mill that. building. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was that was like powered power role playing that I I just didn't get because like I don't. That's when you had like the dailies and stuff. So you 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 had to have cards. Like if you didn't have like your. Uh, classes cards to figure out like kind of what your kind of dailies were it was it was hard to manage yeah i'm I'm really curious to hear like the parts of fourth that you like because i know a lot of people love fourth and it was around for a fourth was around for a long time that was 2008 to 2014 so it was six years like it had a pretty good run um shortest of any edition though really uh yeah i guess because third was 2000 well, let's get into it, Dave. What is it that you like about fourth? All right. So hear me out. One, I I will say uh, it has problems, and I understand why we don't play it. That fifth, in a lot of ways, th- there are things about fifth that I do definitely like better. But here's my argument for fourth. I think when fourth rolled out, it did, what it was trying to do is take a game that, was super i don't even want to say nerdy because that's not fair but it was i think it was a game that was inaccessible to a lot of people and it tried Certainly to be inaccessible it, to new players I, yes sorry I, I would say new players had a very difficult time jumping in with third right yeah exactly so previous editions i think it was you'd see all these books you'd you'd get this book and you'd read this like narrative thing and you're like i don't understand i, I feel like what fourth did was fourth made it it, it did it combined two things it took a board game aspect and it took all the things that we love about computer games and it tried to put it into D, right so you had like the cards which although definitely a pain from like how do you put them on the table and play with them but it was like okay if i tap this card it's like i'm hitting the button on my computer game or i'm tapping this ability in a board game or a magic card game right like i'm tapping the ability and then when we say hey we're going to take a long rest everybody goes through and untaps all the particular cards whether it's at the encounter letter layer or the or the um daily layer and then the other thing it did which i thought was interesting is that it instead of like all the like i didn't have to be an expert on like a wizard and you know all the different classes because they're all so different it was really like a broader base of classes like hey i want to be a leader i was trying to pull it up i don't remember what they all are but i remember that there were like it was the class oh yeah they kind of it was classes but they also kind of gave them other names too 
Yeah, I just found I, I was I was pulling up an article to try to find it. I just found it. It's called Striker, Defender, Leader, and Controller. And so you instead of like, oh, I'm gonna be a rogue, you could be like, I'm gonna be a controller, which might be a little bit more like a sorcerer, but you could do that with psionic powers or arcane powers. And so I just I think that there were a lot of things that made it accessible. And I could be wrong, I've not done any research on this, but I think it pulled in a lot of players so that when fifth came out and fifth kind of returned it to the things that most of us who've been playing for a long time loved like oh good i can take my rogue again and i can like it's a it it was anyway i think we brought along all these people that were like oh i got introduced in fourth and i got to understand the game but maybe it brought other people in and i think that's why we had this like golden age of D D. um and again, like, I'm not saying it's perfect. I think there's a lot of problems with it. And I, I get why we don't pull that version out and play. Cause you got to buy a bunch of cards and it's not very accessible. Like now it's almost the opposite. It's so much easier to just buy three books and like imagine with your friends versus all the fiddly bits that you had to get right to, to play forth. But I don't, I don't think it was as bad. I don't, I don't think it was the Jar Jar Banks of D and D like everybody says. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't think it was the Jar Jar Binks, but like fifth edition is definitely easier to play. That like that's one of the big things with fifth is that's brought in the most players ever. Historical like, numbers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like because it's so it is so easy. I do think fourth tried to chase the dragon with games, right? And what was popular at the time, like you said, Dave, MMOs, like video, yeah. yeah, MMOs. Um, yeah, it tried to be like almost a minis game, right? Right. It moved yeah. me. That's the only thing I didn't like about it is it moved away from role playing into much more of a kind of tabletop kind of combat game, right? Like you really like it was. I, I know, like you talk about those different kind of archetypes like those are archetypes that exist in mmos right they don't they never existed before in D &D and they don't they don't really exist now either but like as a game system it was they they, at least they managed while i was playing it at least to keep all that stuff balanced right it just it it didn't have the pieces that i liked kind of most like even some of the stuff from second was gone that like i i liked about second now there were some improvements from second to third like they go but that's my only, I think, that's my that's my biggest complaint about second is they go <laughs> they go i think the fine. problem most people have in fourth right is is dnd was a role-playing game that had combat and fourth edition was a combat game that had role play that's a good way of putting them out and you can see agree. the the game mechanics too because it's they're right built into those games that they put out at that time the board games castle ravenloft and wrath of a chartalon like 80 percent of the books like the the handbooks and stuff was like here's how you do all this stuff in combat yeah yeah it was it was definitely it was it was a step in a different direction and i think that turned a lot of people off and uh, but i mean like dave was saying right for some people it just worked like that's what they wanted yep. Out of it. yep for sure matt what about you what is your favorite edition uh, second edition that just because it's I mean, fact like 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 Andy said fact was a pain in the ass nobody understands how grappling works but there was just so much that's when they introduced all like so many different settings and you know different places whether it's Spelljammer or Dragonlance or Dark Sun those all really get very expanded in second edition so I think a lot of the uh, the different worlds and stuff is what made it interesting for me yeah and that's what makes second my favorite is that expansion i don't 
I'm I'm not sure, but I believe second edition pound for pound had the most products released of any edition ever. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, every, every class had a handbook, right? So yep. it was like, you know, here's, here's how to be a fighter, but here's how to really be a fighter. You know what I mean? And then yeah, even all yeah, the subclasses could, of fighter had their own, like here's the Cavaliers handbook or, you know, so. Yeah. And just great expansion. Like you said, there was some great box sets, the, the undermountain box set, which I think may have started in first anyway, but a lot of them probably did, but I own them in second. But um, uh, there's a great Forgotten Realms box set and just so much was in that second edition and just really made it very easy for, for Dungeon Masters to not have to worry about populating a world. You could just buy one of these sets and everything's there from inns and little towns and adventure hooks. And so, and I don't mind with- taking <laughs> Yeah, and, and with the settings, right? Like, you know, if you want God the Car, you have Ravenloft. If you want, like, low mat, like, high magic, there's a setting for that. Or if you want, like, the weird shit, you get Spelljammer. Yeah, yeah. If you want to dip your sci-fi peanut butter into the uh, fantasy chocolate. Uh, yeah, the second definitely did the most to expand D&D from kind of what it had been under, you know, the basic set. Um yeah, so it's it's really like those are some of the most fun to books to look back at too because they had some of the best artwork and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, well, I so think it, that's why it's memorable for me, right? Because at that time I was living at home and you know I was like a high school kid, so I could just go buy a book and just read it, and it'd be totally different from the book I picked up, you know, last month. Yeah, yeah, those were. I will definitely say second edition. You know, and if you look at who, like the authors and stuff like that, too, um, at that point in time, where it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and that's the peak of D and D artwork for me. I love all those Larry Elmore and uh, Clyde Caldwell yeah. and Jeff Easley. Yeah, great artwork. Um, so second and second two, that's where we started with the Crimson Cloaks, which that that is meaningful to me as well, and and it's a system I've run a ton, so I really like that one. Um, so switching away from D and D, what are our favorite non D and D RPGs? And I'll just keep going the same, uh, down the chain, starting with Justin. Uh, so I don't, <clears throat> we played the star Wars one. That was fun. We played a c- couple, I guess I didn't have like, you know, do- prepare preparation. I didn't have a real answer for this. I guess I'd have to go with DCC. Dungeon Crawl Classics, because it is just a lot of fun. I remember like the first night we had that uh, funnel. That was when Jericho was the DM and, you know, people were, I mean, like we all had one character die each basically because you failed a, a save to crawl a rope, climb up a rope. So you had an athletics like, check. <laughs> but there's just, a pile of bodies. Like, that is yeah. a great one. I like when there's real risks like that because we like that campaign kept going, but it just felt very realistic because, you know, anyone could die at any moment and you had to be serious about your choices and actually think about yeah. things. You know, there were no like potions of revivify or scrolls of revivify or anything like that. You were just dead from like the simplest <laughs> thing. Yeah. And, you know, I like all the character creation. It's uh, it's all the magic is the, how it works in that system is wild. It's all just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, like that. I love that one too, just to throw on there. Cause it, it is fun to be like, okay, so I'm going out with a shovel and a bag of dirt. <laughs> right. like, and I have a, well, and they, I yeah, there's a the reason you bring four characters to the game. Right? And a sheep. 
right <laughs> right yeah like if you happen to get like a shield or a sword or oh yeah you're you're, you're like, like oh my god i'm so powerful <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what's great then you trip and die <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah i looked at a spider web wrong and uh <laughs> yeah that's a good one though yeah dungeon crawl classics is great yeah uh andy what about you i think we know but <laughs> this is impossible like because there are so many that i do like so gerps is always going to be near and dear to my heart i think that was mostly because it was the first and i love doing character creation that's never one that i've ever tried to push this group to play because it's it, it literally is it, the rule set is very simple but it is so expansive that it immediately gets complicated right like d and like i always what i always laughed about dnt is like there's like 10 skills right in dnt gerps there's like in the basic set alone there's probably 40 and then like every world book kind of introduced more so gerps was gerps is definitely my favorite of all time after dnt the one i've had the most fun playing with this group more recently is savage worlds though that to me is a nice light system with rules and it's also it's got a kind of a similar architecture to GURPS, right? It's it's all about having a rule set that will fit in multiple settings. So both as a player and a GM, really like uh, Savage Worlds. And then uh, Numenera Cipher, that's my third. That's That to me is the one that I really want to play more of. But those, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say what my favorite non-D&D RPG is uh, just because I think there are some really neat ones out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, Dave, how about you? So I, I'd say this is a toss-up because uh, I think it depends on what you say is your favorite because for me, the world is definitely riffs. I love reading riffs books. I love the story. I think it's got the most interesting like characters and world and um the powers are awesome um i hate to admit this i do think it's a little bit unplayable only not unplayable but like when we you guys all we we sat and made characters you know not that long ago and i kind of sat down to kind of build up the adventure that i i wanted to do and the more i kept thinking about it the more the less fun i was having thinking about running it because it's really hard to make it interesting with the MDC, with the mega damage system and the structural damage system. Um, and I know a lot of that comes down to like, oh, just have fun and how do you role play? But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. Um, and not to say that it won't ever come back. It just the the, the urge kind of lost. But I, um, when I was working for that company up in Montreal, there was a group of um, guys up there that played Shadowrun and they were playing on zoom kind of before that was like a big thing so that was kind of neat because i could join them online and we played Shadowrun a bunch and it kind of scratched that sci-fi itch for me it has you know it's a very playable rule set i mean it's it, it's very fantasy based um you know you were saying like the dip your peanut butter in chocolate or something like it, it it felt that way to me because you've got magic users and elves and dwarves and you know that shadow run world is um is very accessible to a to a D kind of thinking um and it's and it's old so it's got like tons of modules and tons of books and tons of history um so yeah i would say those two for me are probably my favorites 
So, Dave, I have all of the Rift's Savage Worlds. That setting is what scratches your itch. Like, I, I'll let you take all those and read through them, right? Because I think Rift's has an awesome setting as well, right? But I have burnt my brain more than once trying to figure out how you actually play that game. The concept is so, so cool. Right. All the world books, like I buy those. Like every time I see those at, you know, half price bins or whatever, like I grab those books. But I've, I've played, we, I can't remember, I, I've played once with you. And then, like you said, we were trying to do it again. But it is, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I agree. No, I'll check them out. Yeah. I, I think I have the originals. It's a couple of the Savage Worlds original. I know they redid it, so I don't know what's different, but we'll have to check it out. Yeah, I, I have a lot of it. I kept buying them because, I like I said, I really like that world setting. It's so cool, but I have a hard time f- kind of understanding the how you actually play the game. Yeah. All right, Matt, what about you? Favorite non-D&D RPG? Uh, this is tough because I think <clears throat> probably like most of you guys, I've played a lot of different RPGs over the, over the ages. And I think <clears throat> Rifts is great. I played a risk, couple of campaign. Shadowrun's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to go for a little outlier here, though, and say I enjoyed when Rafe played Mouse Guard. He ran us through a mouse. Oh, yeah. Campaign. Yeah, that was fun. Because it's very, that is a very good different, right? It's just a very different system and different very different setting and different different kind of uh story so i'll pick one that's a picture and say musk no no i think musk is cool i remember playing yeah, that. it's neat um, it's very neat yeah yeah because i remember we were yeah we were spreading what like some type of animal piss um <laughs> on the edge of our territory yeah, like to fox keep or predators away yeah. yeah to keep other predators away yeah, yeah. nice oh yeah <laughs> all right so for me it's got pe- for me <laughs> uh i don't even know where to go with that all right so for me can there guess, is... Ian? Can I guess? <laughs> you know where to go can i guess can i guess no, no. star wars <laughs> yeah star wars is definitely there because i've i really obviously i love star wars and i know that system very well and i even though it's a not overly complicated system i think it's a pretty solid system and it's, it's just really lots of just picking up like 10 d6s to be like this is my role Oh yeah. And anything where you get to roll more dice because you're better at something is, is always fun. So star Wars is definitely one a, but one B is probably deadlands. Yeah. That we had a lot of, we had a couple good deadlands games that you put us through. That setting is phenomenal. I loved the collectible card game. It's, it's just a, it's a really, really rich setting and something that you can really do a lot with as a, as a game master. So yeah, those are, those are my one a and one B star Wars and deadlands. And Deadlands is really close to Savage Worlds. It's the it's the origin of Savage Worlds. I think Savage Worlds just refines some of the stuff that you need to have it outside outside of the the Deadlands settings. But again, that's another one where I bought a ton of Deadlands stuff because I like that setting and because it's set in in Savage Worlds. Well, and the initiative system using the playing cards feels very thematic to it too, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. And and hucksters sort of the magic users within that yeah. world uh, actually play hands of poker with with demonic forces to try and cast their spells so very very rich setting and uh, those books are a lot of fun to read 
I would say it was Star Wars. That that is a little hard sometimes. To I think it suffers from the same thing that Rift does, and sometimes all the sci-fi ones do is trying to balance, right? Because you're basically going from a guy with like a knife to a guy with a blaster, and that's that always makes it interesting. I do think the Star Wars one does it a little better and it also star wars also lends itself better to more role playing too right a lot of times your character has skills that are not at all combat related in fact most of them aren't yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but there's always think, star stuff wars is, is good too if you go in with the right expectations right like you're not gonna you're not gonna be a jedi you're not gonna, you're not gonna kill vader you're not gonna run into darth vader right you're yeah and that's why when i run them like the i ran the test game with you guys and other one shot stuff i've played with you guys and that I ran at the the Philly uh, gaming convention that I went to. I keep it. I like to set it right after a new hope, like a year or so after. So the death star has been destroyed. Rebels got a good victory, but now the empire's really closing in on them. Uh, I feel like that's really a good time within the, the overall star Wars uh, timeline. Uh, there's a lot that you can do. You can do a lot of rebel, you know, rebellion stuff. There's not a ton of Jedi running around, which can tend to break the game. So, Setting it right in there is is where I like it. And then you can deal with rebel cells or smugglers or whatever. All right. So what about a favorite moment or session or even a campaign overall? Just just kind of really good memories that you have of a specific thing with role playing games. I'll start with Justin again. So you brought campaign into this. And obviously, I have to say cloaks. Uh, that was seven years of Dungeons and Dragons, was it? Yeah, Around six there or somewhere. seven. I do have a specific moment where so we played uh, with our friend. We had what a group of. We had six, seven, but seven we rarely people? had seven that were actually there. But there was one point that I remember where our friend Flores was playing, and I forget his character name or class, but for some reason, my wizard or go was copying everything he did. We were in a fight. His character went to run for this cover, dodged a disintegration ray. Ergo went to run for the same cover, did not dodge the disintegration ray, and instantly died. Pile of dust from a beholder. It was hilarious. Awesome. I remember laughing for a long time after that. I think you were mad. I think you were mad, if I remember right. <laughs> you guys can back me up. I think Justin was mad about that. I, know, I was probably drunk, so it was probably half a boat. <laughs> I think I believe you threw your we spell book in the garbage. He, I no. think he couldn't believe that he failed and you killed him. But then uh, we the used the killed him. I didn't kill him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course, I was brought back because it's Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. So. You guys had a wish spell or a scroll. Or yeah, something. Well, it was funny because I was like, I, I remember I said, Justin, if you want me to bring Ergo back, I'll bring it back. He's like, you know, just just do whatever you want. And then <laughs> yeah, you were mad. I don't remember that. Yeah, All right. You were very good. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, I think I think Matt had a sword that had like a wish spell attached to it or something. No, no, we had we had a wish ring. Oh, that's a ring. That's right. and I had the ring. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you you're probably refusing to do it or something, so that's probably why. I got no, that. no, I told you were so you were mad. And I was like, listen, you were like, I'll just make a new character. And I was like, just if you want me to bring you back, I'll bring you back. Like, just do whatever you want. Spoiler: okay, Ergo we'll, came we'll back. Talk about it next. Oh, session. of course he did, and then he ascended to godhood. <laughs> yes, by the end. Yes, he did. Uh, let's see who's next. Uh, Andy, I think is next. One of my most favorite was Rafe and I doing a like an rpg all theater of the mind in a car driving <laughs> to indianapolis where we literally just you know like we're kind of storytelling the whole time that, that's one of my favorites my my runner-up though is there was a time that i had a character i believe in in one of your 
Deadlands games, and I couldn't be there. So Rafe played me playing my character. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, like I don't I hardly ever get to r- do RPGs with Rafe anymore because then my third most favorite one is when we were doing the extra life and Randy and Rafe set up <laughs> a business and you allowed them po- to play for like over an hour. I was DMing for 24 hours straight. If they wanted to blow an hour, like getting the yeah. local permits to set up a shop. <laughs> that I made it much easier for that. you, right? <laughs> the best part about that is when I came back to that game hours later, you had allowed the shop to have been thriving and we were we had extra resources that we got to use going forward so somehow like some of my most favorite moments about it all involve rafe granger (laughs) and the randomness that he can bring to an rpg i just remember i wasn't playing in that game but at that time randy rafe were having a great time ian was paying attention what they were saying and the other people were like what the fuck is going I think part of it, too, was at that particular time, again, 24 hours straight. I think it was even 25 because it was a a (laughs) fallback weekend when it was. I think I don't think I had I think I maybe had four players at the table at the time. So and and the thing was, they were going out and getting like magic items and bringing those back and selling those and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that's that was fun. All right, Dave, what about you? Well, I have two. One, I have to give a shout out to the fact that I got to kill a dragon not that long ago. Yeah, you. So I've never actually done that. So that was kind of fun in uh, Andy's game. But I think but like like a memory that's just lived forever is Rafe really wanted to run a game. And Rafe br- talked about it all the time. And to be honest, I can't remember who was in it. I don't know if any of you guys played in it. If it's the one but- I'm thinking of, I was not in it. So I, ha- I don't know if people remember, but D&D whatever hasbro or whoever the heck it was they had come out with these like tiles of terrain i think it was probably around fourth because they were trying to make it more board gamey but they're these like thick cardboard tiles and rafe really wanted to run a game and at the time i just i didn't have time to plan it or anything but i think we went to his office and i just started laying out tiles and i was just literally off the top of my head like oh we did this and like oh this guy came in and they're like oh we're gonna go talk to the king's aide and i was like okay great what would the king's aide do and i just literally made the whole thing up all the monsters all my roles were fake roles like behind the dm screen i was like oh my god he must die he hit you oh you hit him and like, <laughs> like literally just made up the whole thing and at the end everybody was like that was so fun it flowed so well the monsters were perfect and i was like that's hilarious <laughs> But I just loved it. And it, and it, it, for me, it spoke a lot to what role playing really should be, right? Which is like, it really, like the rules definitely end. Like, well, yeah. And you want like there to be challenges. And like uh, Stino had said earlier, like one of the great things about like DCC is like there should be real consequences. And that can be very tough if you're just making everything up, right? Like, like, you know, it's it's hard to say that there are real consequences if you're like, oh, am I going to kill this guy or not? Oh, I got a crit. But, um, but at the same time, I, I think any d any DM will tell you they fudge numbers from time to time, right? Like, oh, this is, you know, not the right time to do it or something. But, um, it was just a fun memory and and taught me a lot about like what what I like in a role playing game and you know how I want to run it and stuff like that. Nice. All right, Matt, what about you? Uh, I have 
I, I mean, there's tons from just from the Crimson Cloaks campaign. Um, like when when Jonathan's uh, squire came back and was our our nemesis for a little while. Um, I can't remember what his name was, but um, yeah, right, that I was either he. But so Jonathan was a paladin. He had a squire, and he uh, we were going down into Undermountain, I think it was, and and we left him there, and we ended up going through a portal. So he turned bad. And then he just showed he, up. It was like six months later. He just showed up. It was up. more than that. It was more than a year. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. He, he, yeah but, he went off and became an anti-paladin. Yeah. yeah. And um, or, you know, like every few months, Joel will get tired of the character who's playing. So he play a new character. Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, there was a time where there was a doppelganger of Ergo. And I don't know if you set out to be like a huge. It was going to be a huge problem. But I was like, well, just knock them out and we like punched them both oh, Justin yeah. and the doppelganger in their face and they got knocked out we're like figure this out later I mean no, we just we've played a lot of RPGs and there's all there's you know a lot of good memories from a, a lot of them I Dave I think you were playing Craig ran us through like a, a Warhammer 40k scenario and we all mm. died at the end which wasn't supposed to happen we just all rolled really awful yes um, and that was the one that had like 20 like, minutes before. Yeah, we were fighting like Tyranid or something, right? And, and we just all ended up dying at the end. Well, we ended up dying. What I remember about that one, too, is that we had like 25 minutes of trying to navigate a cave. <laughs> yeah. like, what is happening? He's like, oh, this is the rule system. I'm like, no. It's <laughs> old school D&D is what that is. And Rafe trying to run the uh, Warhammer fantasy storytelling campaign. Storytelling dice. I don't know if you uh, guys are familiar with that system, but it's probably one of the worst ones out there. I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know. There's there's a lot of funny funny memories that uh, from a lot of campaigns. Yeah, the the cloaks campaign, as we said, went like six or seven years, and I think it was something like eighty or more sessions. So there was a ton from that. That was one of the fun things that I enjoyed. Was um, yeah, Jonathan's uh, <laughs> his his squire that he had rescued and who had had kind of started to tag along and being left behind because it wasn't safe to bring him. And then he, he was, he was missing for a year and turns out he, he was secretly the nemesis for the cloaks for a while. So that was a lot of fun to do that. Yeah. A lot of really good memories in there. You guys trying to, well, eventually trying to rescue a minotaur that was actually a cursed oh, um yeah, cursed yeah. person he gets somebody oh, zapped yeah. him with i think greg zapped him with lightning and, yeah, and yeah. He, he goes help <laughs> <laughs> because he had been cursed he was not actually a minotaur that was trying to to do you guys any harm so yeah we, greg we saying his, his god's name wrong for like the first 20 sessions <laughs> yeah yeah, there's a lot of good and and a lot of recurring jokes and things like that came out of the crimson cloaks it was it was just really really fun and we had, uh, you know, a few players come and go, and toward the end, Andy and Dave were in, and but, um, you know, you, uh, you, Matt and Justin, Jonathan was there the whole time. Um, Rich was there the whole time, so uh, the core group was there through the whole thing, which was which was pretty fun. Nothing in particular, just that whole being able to run a campaign for that long. That's that's very rare anywhere, let alone with our gaming group to have something sustained for so long. So. I think that's one of the things I'm proud of is that we were able to to keep that going for so long. All yeah, right. that's definitely it's common, right? That most gaming sessions just kind of peter out. They hit like they that get. that one big thing if they get there, like after ten sessions, like okay, well, I don't, you know, Ian was, was a great DM because he had something for us to do, but you know, a lot of them you get to that point and they're like, okay, well, I don't know what to do now, so we're done. 
And it, it does get harder as the levels get higher. There's the challenges are more difficult to. It was to come it was up that with. point where we started actually timing our combat, and you're like, it's a big combat. We're like, okay, that took uh, 45 seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'd spend a few hours painting up the big bad for the week, and uh, and it'd be on the table for five minutes. <laughs> I remember That's that right. time we had we had all that money, and then you like half of it was like you decide half of it was cursed, so we didn't have. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, fool's gold. Okay. We had like two hundred thousand gold, and like oh, all but like, like twenty, you know, twenty five hundred is is shit. Yeah, I think that I was, was like, when we changed systems to five E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck these Rockefellers. You guys are <laughs> hauling around all this ridiculous. Yeah, we also dropped a few levels too when we went to five E just to kind of make it. Mm. Uh, it was a little easier to transition by going. I think we dropped down to like fifth or something like that, fifth level, but. Um, but that was a pretty smooth transition. That was kind of a fun thing to do, too, because you guys were in Baba Yaga's hut, which oh, has all right. kinds of strange things. So what I did was I put them in a room with all these paintings on the wall, and they were paintings where they recognized their characters, but there were also slight variations. Like Matt's character was the same, except he had a really cool bow and he was missing an eye. So they could essentially step through into fifth edition, but step through and either become a new character, continue with their same character or a slightly altered version of their character. So that was kind of, kind of my way for doing that. Actually, now that I think of it, I'll tell you what my, my favorite memory from that campaign was the deck of many things. Oh where yeah. We all pulled. Don't say, Oh yeah. Cause you're the one person that was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm too. Afraid yeah. I don't think you happen. pulled from it. No, Justin did not pull. Jonathan pulled. Yeah. Like four oh yeah. For everybody else. And he lost his mind. Tim he lost did. his mind. <laughs> that was when Jonathan had to play another character because his his character was just a lifeless husk. Yeah, that was fun. We had some good times in Ravenloft too. Um, there was there was a lot of fun stuff in there. But yeah, yeah. Good Jonathan times. lost good his armor because he almost drowned when the ship crashed. Oh yeah, that was that was always fun being like <laughs> stuff that you don't think of, and then it's like oh the ship's going down, and it's like oh we get in the water, and it's like all right you begin to sink. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're wearing plate mail. Good stuff. So. We don't have to necessarily go, um, you know, through everybody, but you guys can just kind of shout it out if there's, I, w- I wanted to see if there were any RPG systems that you guys were looking forward to trying. I would say, I feel like, the uh, so I've read Numenera, I've, oh, I own the Cypher system and looked through it and I played Numenera, um, uh, Megan Sloji kind of ran us through it and she did a great job, but she was kind of new. And I don't know that I ever got like a real feeling for what it could be. Um, Cause I don't know, Andy, how many games did we play? You think? Yeah, we only did like three or four, but yeah. that's, that's something that impressed me too, though. Right. She'd never DM'd before and it still was going pretty good. I think that's one of the things about that, that system is the, the DM is really just there to guide the story along, yeah. which makes it super, super fun. Uh, in my opinion so yeah that's another one yeah that's definitely on my list too dave yeah and for those that don't know like it's it's another one of those that like taps into things that i love like things that i you know like i love reading like post-apoc fiction and like you know i think that's why the sci-fi game but that one like magic is actually like there's magic but when you look at the rules underneath it it's because at some point in the past there were nanites and like you have this kinship or ability to like direct the nanites to do things you want or you know there's there's other versions of that but like i don't know i just think that would be one to like and not as a one-off like i would love to play that like you know 10 sessions or something just to see like what you could do in a world like that yes coming soon in 2024 
<laughs> All right. Anybody else? Is is uh, GURPS the one with the giant penguin that someone made at one point or something? Oh, no, no, no. That's Gamma Rodders. That's Gamma, Gamma Rodders board game. Totally Technically, Gamma. Gamma Rodders is a board game. The only reason I don't make people play it is it has tons of tiny chits. Um, and tiny chits in board games that are that old always, like, for some reason, bother me. So, but that is. <laughs> that's what those that's, old games were. I know. It's also know. a choking hazard. Yes, yes, especially for some of us in this group. But yeah, no, Gamrodas is a board game someday, someday, Ian. Someday. <laughs> well, I thought that I might have chosen GURPS if I could be a giant penguin, but I've heard a lot about it. It seems kind of. I'm sure. I'm sure I can find a GURPS world <laughs> setting where you could be a giant penguin, dude. I also, uh, I've, I like uh, Delta Green, which is like X Files type. Your FBI agents investigating paranormal stuff, and I listen to the Glass Cannon. They've had, I think they're on season four or five of their playthrough of a certain module. It's just. A lot of mystery and a lot of creepy stuff, and I think that's kind of fun. It's very different from like the high fantasy type stuff that we're used to, but that'd be probably be my pick. Nice. Well, Shadow uh, Dark is one that I'm looking forward to. Oh, and, and there may be a must play soon. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I'm seriously considering doing that as my must play. Uh, it'll it'll be so for Dave and Matt. Uh, and a little bit for Justin. So that has a very similar feel to DCC, but it's much more a straight D20 system. So it's not the wacky dice that you get in DCC. Little more uh, kind of grounded. The the magic still doesn't have spell slots, uh, but you're basically doing a, a skill test, but it's not quite as wacky, but it, it definitely has a session zero funnel, but it has some really, really cool mechanics. Like you, you only have a certain number of gear slots, right? So you're not like what you're carrying matters. And for every hour you're playing, you have torches and a torch lasts an hour. And once that torch goes out, it is bad news. Like it's bad news for players and other things can make the torches go out. Yeah, you you stand a chance of having uh, crazy adventures because because of that. Yeah, it looks really cool. And there's something that I just bought that um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet, but it's an entire hex crawl where everything is random. What's in the hex is random, how it's populated, all that type of stuff. So I want to figure something out with that. All right, trying to keep us on time here, uh, finishing up with some other questions. but. Wanted to see what you guys had, if there are mechanics in, in a system that you really like, or if, if there's something like that that an RPG needs in order to interest you. What do you guys think about that? Well, since someone else took notes in this section, uh, I'll probably go against the grain and say I love charts. I don't know if people love charts. I love charts. I love when you hit somebody and you get to roll on a chart. You're like, I hit your index finger or... Um, you know, I think that's even in um, Battletech, which I know isn't an RPG, but I just think that's kind of fun, like where it directs you to what you got or in character creation. If you're rolling to like figure things out, I think some of that DCC stuff is fun when you're rolling to get equipment. Um, I just I don't know. What's the point of having dice if you can't roll on a chart somewhere for something? Well, you're going to love this hex crawl book then. Yes, it's charts. Nice. Yeah. I like Excel. I do that a lot during the day. Just, no, just kidding. 
All right. What about anybody else want to chime in with stuff from that? Different mechanics you like or a good DM. Well, or GM. Yeah. That's needed. Well, I've never I, had one. <laughs> well, I, was, I mean, you know, I think we've all played in games, especially when you're like a teenager where somebody's just to really like, oh, yeah, there's going to be five of us playing. Oh, wait, nope. Sorry, there's 14 of you. Well, I'm going to manage this and they can't do it. It's just awful. But see, I think I like systems that um, give the GMs just the right amount of tools to do things. So that's why I'm so excited about doing like Numenera or Cypher because that's all about the GM doesn't roll any dice in in that right that is all about them like introducing complications and stuff but not having to roll roll dice and i really i really like that so to me that that kind of that's an interesting kind of system to me any system that that makes the gm more of a storyteller and relies less on rules i don't know about charts but i love random tables Random tables are my like I like random tables. Like you're gonna love this hex crawl book. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, chart. Till, that counts. That's a subset of charts. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you're in yeah, the Venn diagram. Wait, wait till you get to the wait till you get the Shadow Dark book. Like <laughs> random tables galore. Like that's one Mine's of my on favorite things. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite things is random tables. So what about intellectual property, like a branding, like Star Wars or whatever? Would you is it important to have a, a a good system and the IP doesn't matter as much, or maybe it's generic or would you be more willing to play in a system in a setting that, you know, but maybe the game isn't as great. I think you need a good system. I mean, if it can be your favorite IP ever, but if the system isn't great and it doesn't work, it's not going to, you're not going to have fun. I think unless the system is really bad, uh, like for, we had our dark heresy with Wraith and the, the system was okay. We all thought it was pretty blah, but we had a lot of fun because it was 40 K universe and it was very cinematic. Like I was a, uh, a tech priest type and I like controlled a flamer on a tank to shooting down to a pit of guys. System was blah to do it, but like I burned like four cultists at once and I thought just, it was just very cinematic and awesome. You know, That's that true. one was weird. I think it was part of it was just cause that was the one where you're playing the bad guys, which uh, is, is hard to do well right when you're when you're supposed to be be bad i mean it was just it's just percentage dice which also is out of the norm for what you usually see in a game too so that didn't help yeah i I definitely lean much heavier to system than i do ip um because i think a good system you can do anything you can bring an ip in like rafe ran a campaign using savage worlds set in 40k because we didn't like the rule system for the 40k so i I, and i'm also biased my two favorite systems outside of DD are gurps and savage worlds which are both designed to be you know do whatever you want with these and then my third favorite is cypher right which is the same same idea right we're going to make a generic system that you can kind of do anything you want with yeah i think for me Oh, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, like, I feel like it's such a tough question because I go back to the game that Jericho ran. I think it was called like Kids on Bikes, maybe. Kids on Bikes. That was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of good memories from that, too. That's actually what I was going to. That was going to be my surprise topic at the end was a quick, (laughs) quick look back at our Lake Geneva trip. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll just briefly say like that game was like, I don't even know what you call it, like Stranger Things slash Goonies slash... Yeah, it was very much 80s Steven Spielberg, Stephen King. 
Yeah. That, that's what that system is. And so, but like there wasn't a ton of rules to it. So like in that case, I don't even know if IP counts, but it's like to, to Stino's point, like you can overcome a lot with a system where, and again, like that game did have a system. And I think Jericho did a great job of like shepherding the story and stuff like that. But to me, you know, a system, if you have a system with a good IP, like it really, I think that can really make it sing. So I, I do, I do think it's gotta be a somewhat good system. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Ian. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think I'm IP over system. The system can't be garbage, but I think, you know, a kind of a, a mediocre system can be saved by a good, a good setting. So that does take me to what I wanted to talk about as my surprise topic. So a year and a half ago in October of 2022, all of us, except for Andy, who did not make the trip, joined our friend Terrace Cassidy from Geek Nation Tours and our friend Pat, who works with Mantic Games, and our friend Jericho. And our friend Dan was supposed to make it, unfortunately was not able to. But we were able to go to Lake Geneva, the home of Dungeons & Dragons, and actually play Dungeons & Dragons in the house where the game was first created and first played at 330 Center Street in Lake Geneva. And we spent a week there. We we played a ton of RPGs, and it was it was just a great time. We had uh, Jeff Leeson, uh, Duck, who longtime TSR employee, went on to work for Mayfair Games and and some others. Um, got to hang out with him and just play RPGs and just have a have a really good time together. And uh, just wanted to see you know what you guys what were some standout memories from that trip. Real, quick. I have one. Surviving a tornado in the basement where Dungeons and Dragons was made. Yeah, yes. my first multiple tornado warning. <laughs> yeah, that was that was surreal. We had a huge tornado come through. There was a group of us that were playing in the Gygax house and a group that was playing over at the Airbnb we had rented. And the tornado sirens in town start to go off, which is surreal in itself. Then we all, <laughs> the other guys that were over at the other uh, I was running Marvel superheroes at the Gygax house. The other guys were playing, I think, at Dave's um, sort of hybrid RPG minis game. And those guys came running over, and we literally rode out a tornado in the basement, the Gygax basement, <laughs> where Dungeons & Dragons was born. And it was unbelievably surreal. Yeah. Even on L- top luckily, of that, Duck, Duck luckily, was just telling stories for the whole like 45 yeah. minutes or whatever. Yeah. Were we Luckily, it didn't it didn't go over us. It was close by, but it didn't actually go through our area, which would have been worse. But yeah, but it was that was a very just a very strange experience. Uh, but we played, I would say like, our complete lack of ability to understand how much food we required oh uh, <laughs> on multiple occasions. Sixty dollars a sausage, trash pizza. Yeah, trash we, pizza. we had like we bought like forty pizzas for <laughs> so much people, three hundred pounds of some kind of very expensive sausage. We we ordered so many pizzas. We were eating pizza and to the point where it was like, I don't think this pizza is good anymore. We shouldn't be eating it. Right. Yeah. yeah. We sent back home with like 13 grocery bags of food. <laughs> no, I would say for yeah. real, for me, um, and it sounds super cheesy because I don't think I'm like this, but um, I really enjoyed rolling dice on uh, the Gygax like memorial. Um, I thought that oh, was yeah. kind of a cool experience to like go out to that, you know, those it's like a whole bunch of bricks with people's names on it but there's one that has like a d20 i've got a picture of it i don't remember what it says but you kind of roll your dice on them to bless them and i thought that was kind of a cool uh just kind of a cool moment to be able to have done that 
Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's, it's a good part of being able to go there is that, um, and, and now one of the things that we got to do, which was great is that Mike Carr came to visit us. Mike Carr, who one of the very first TSR employees edited and, and worked on those first, first edition AD and D books, created the game fight in the skies. And is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet drove down a couple hours to show us, give us a special look at the, at the museum there's like a wing dedicated at the museum there in town to Dungeons and Dragons. And we got a sneak peek of it, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Yeah. Overall, just a, an amazing experience and kind of a once in a lifetime experience and played a lot of good games and had a lot of laughs and just, um, just, it was, you know, I wish Andy could have, could have made it because it really was one of those things that's, um, you know, it is cliche to say once in a lifetime, but it, it really felt that way. All right. I think we've maybe come to the end. Unless there's, is there anything else anybody wanted to talk about, about RPGs or anything we didn't touch on? Well, there was uh, in the looking in the want to play section, Morkborg and Orkborg look like they're a lot of fun. I know Andy, you have Orkborg and want to run it soon, but that seems like a blast. Yeah, no, that's um, both of those systems. Like the, the Morkborg is definitely like a kind of a, a darker fantasy kind of grim, um, I saw that first, but then when Shadow Dark came out, I think that might scratch that itch for me. Where it's um, it's it's dark, but it's not quite quite as dark as uh, Morkborg is. Yeah, Morkborg, wicked dark, y'all. Yeah. The but only other cool. thing, and we could talk about this some other time when we like, but I think it's it's worth noting. Like in our last episode, we talked about Baldur's Gate three, and just for me, it's interesting how like those games it's funny because like in some ways it makes me like role-playing games more because you know they're a version of a role-playing game and i do enjoy it but in other ways it can kind of spoil it because it's like they're so good at like at like taking making every choice your character makes matter right like the morals and like you go back to like um what was the name of that fable like the fable game that's like oh you ate too much you're getting fat right like (laughs) um you, you're never going to get a, a D, you know a, a role-playing game paper and pencil role-playing able to capture all that depth and remember every single story and every single decision you've made um but i just think it's an interesting i mean maybe a topic again for another day but like just i know they're two different experiences but they they do cross a little bit in my mind yeah for sure i mean those those great rpg video games obviously wouldn't exist without the tabletop ones, but you're right. There is, there's a certain things they, they'll just be able to do better because they have voice actors and, and a large staff that puts all this together and gives you that really rich and deep experience. I do think that, and I know you did it quite a bit in Cloaksian, and like you guys even mentioned it in some of the stories, right? That's, that's one of the better, you know, and that does rely on a good GM is being able to jot those things down and, and, and bring them back um yeah but i think that's like you said dave i think that'd be interesting that's a that's a good good topic um kind of doing that comparison almost yeah sounds good so look at that we have more ideas for future nerd herders episodes yay and next time out will be our infamous winter retreat episode as we get ready to go into the woods of Maine and spend the weekend eating a lot of food and playing a lot of board games. So that'll be up next. Everybody's favorite episode of the year. Or at least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and new new listeners are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you're you just retreat. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, thank you guys so much for entertaining me with that uh, idea for paying homage to D&D's 50th anniversary. And obviously role-playing is something that we as a group do quite a bit. So uh, it was, I thought this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Oh, thanks. Thanks to Andy. Thanks to Justin. Thank you guys. And Dave and Matt too. Thanks everybody. All right. Well, that has been the Nerd Herders. New again in 2024. We will be back again very soon. Until then, let your geek flag fly. Hi, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Carboni and Sons Pest Removal, and I'm here to talk to you about a growing problem. Nerds in the workplace. All over this country, nerds are invading our offices. They're at our water coolers. Did you guys see Battlestock Alaska last night? That was so awesome. In our cafeterias. Would you like to borrow my copy of Watchmen? It's actually a deep social commentary on the paranoia of the past. And even at our holiday parties. <laughs> you know, uh, on Yugi Home Planet of Kashyyyk, they actually celebrate Life Day. <laughs> So if you want these pests gone, call Carboni and Sons Pest Removal at 555-NO-NERDS. That's 555-N-O-N-E-R-D-S-S. Leave the last S off for savings. Tell us you heard this ad on Nerd Herders and get an extra 2% off your bill.